before, I'm going to say it again. Happy Mother's Day, everyone. <laughs> Today, we celebrate all mothers. You who mother by carrying, birthing, and nurturing children. You who carry, birth, and nurture ideas. You teachers, innovators, writers, entrepreneurs, lawyers, scientists, midwives, accountants, and the mothers whose part is played in geologic time. Mother Earth, Pachamama, and of course, Jesus's mother, Mother Mary. Special thanks to my mom, Barb, who listens to the podcast regularly. Hello and shout out. Thanks also to my wife and mother of my children, Mary Beth. It is a love, you know, seeing the example of someone living into that role day after day is, uh, it's an inspiring thing. So special thanks and thank you all for teaching us how to love and how to mother the body of Christ. This week we are back in the Gospel of John, and John, as we know, is known for his use of metaphor, for his poetic prose. I think mothers give us particular insight into John's poetic language. Mothers make John's mystical poetry seem pragmatic. Phrases like, I and the Father are one. This mystical unity can be confusing, but mothers live into this, right? Baby and mother are one. That is not a stretch. It is a mystery and beyond our complete understanding, but it's also the most commonplace truth of our existence as human beings. We are all here because we were part of that unity. And we all acknowledge and experience it, at least in utero, if not as childbearers. A study done at Pacific Lutheran University in Tacoma confirmed what we all suspect, that babies in the womb actively listen to their mother's voice during the last 10 weeks of pregnancy. I love that, and I love seeing Mary Beth and other moms reading to their babies before they're born. It's such a special, special thing, thinking about that interaction. But this study told us something we did not know before. At birth, Babies can distinguish between the sound of their native language and a foreign language. Isn't that amazing? Absolutely amazing. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. Various animals have acquired the ability to respond to and even understand voices outside of their own species. <clears throat> the Galapagos iguana can identify the alarm calls of the Galapagos 
Mockingbird, which warns of nearby hawks. Very handy for the iguana. The Sahamalaza sportive lemur of Madagascar knows the difference between the bird alarm calls for raptors, cats, and snakes. Pretty awesome. And, of course, our own pets occasionally respond to our petitions to sit or fetch or do whatever it is we want them to do. Try to get that cat to eat when, you, when it doesn't want to. Good luck. Another study shows that elephants in Kenya can distinguish between the voices of different human ethnic groups, like Maasai and Kamba, both speaking Kiswahili, as well as differences between the voices of humans of different sexes and ages. Wow, huh? It begs the question, what voices do we recognize? What voices do we hear? What sounds do we follow? Have you been out somewhere and heard your cell phone ring on somewhere and like turned to your phone and realized it's somebody else's phone? I do this all the time. <laughs> happens to me all the time. Or have you, this is, this is a whole other phenomenon. Have you ever felt one of those like phantom vibrations? Maybe you don't even have your cell phone in your pocket and you feel that little jolt. <laughs> they call it phantom vibration syndrome. It's a tactical hallucination that your mobile phone is ringing or doing whatever it does when it is actually not. Other folks call it ringxiety. <laughs> I like that. Ringxiety is particularly prominent among college students. Researcher Michelle Druin found that 9 out of 10 undergraduates experience this daily. <laughs> There's still a good deal we don't know about cell phones and their impact on our lives, but we do know, we do know that they are habit forming, right? We understand that they're habit-forming. In his book, The Power of Habit, Charles Duhigg describes how habits are comprised of three primary components. Cue, routine, and reward. Cue, routine, and reward. It's the same process that teaches sheep to know their shepherd's voice. Their shepherd calls, there's some food, they come, boom, they get the food. Initially, in that process of cue, routine, and reward, we, there's a dopamine pulse that comes after the reward, right? But as habits form, the dopamine burst actually comes with the cue. This is, uh, you guys have heard about the, uh, the Pavlovian, Pavlovian response, right? The, the notion that like dogs will salivate when you start ringing a bell, right? This is... This is the nature of habits that, that, that our, uh, our response and our reward shifts. And this is not just true with pleasure, but habits also shape how we respond to pain. Also in that book, The Power of Habit, Duhigg describes um, the, a study on, on knee replacement surgery. He said that those who wrote down a plan for rehabilitation are far more likely to endure the painful process of recovery 
and actually make their way to recovery. Those who wrote it down, who set their goal by simply writing it down. This is similar logic to why expecting mothers develop a birth plan, right? Birth plan. It almost never goes that way, but that is the notion. You're setting out an intention. And in that process, you form what is called a keystone habit. A keystone habit. Keystone habits are the practices that influence other habits, right? Like I, one of your keystone habits might be waking up at 6 a.m. and then you go and do other things from that, let's say. Or maybe you're waking up at 9 a.m., whatever it is. <laughs> you're, you form a habit. Certain habits take bigger priority and shape your lives in different ways. In this God love life, one of the keystone habits is the habit of grace. The habit of knowing that we are loved unconditionally. That the forgiveness and fullness of life that we celebrate at Easter, the life that exceeds death and is eternal and unconditional, that habit of grace, of knowing that we are loved, we live into it and know it and pass it on. Like the love of a mother for her children. It is something that no one can take away. No one will snatch them out of my hand. In this passage, no one will snatch them out of my hand. Here is God as mother bear. Nothing can take us away from God's love. It is unlimited and unconditional. No one can snatch them out of my hand. God the creator, God the mother made us. We are formed from eternity in that relationship. Our deepest satisfaction comes in that relationship. That is where we identify truth, deep truth, resonant truth, lifelong truth, truth that we acknowledge aside from cognition. It is in that context of our eternal relationship with the divine that we find our deepest truth. While our physical unity with the divine changes at birth, the connection continues. Such is the unity of Jesus and the Creator. Such is divine love for us. Through Jesus, we find ourselves guided back to the deep truth that we and the Father, we, God, the Mother, are one. So happy Mother's Day. Amen.